Welcome to another episode of Everyday El Dorado. I'm your host, Deanna Bond, and I'm here to share my perspective on the fine art of living well every day in El Dorado. On Saturday, March 5th, 2022, the El Dorado Chamber of Commerce hosted a legislative coffee sponsored by the Butler County Farm Bureau Association. I had the opportunity to visit with El Dorado Chamber of Commerce Executive Director Phil Benedict, Representative Doug Bleck, Representative Will Carpenter, and Senator Mike Fagg. I'm Phil Benedict, the Executive Director of the El Dorado Chamber. Today was our legislative forum, our first of the year. We hope to have more of these during the year as well since it's an election year. But the whole purpose is to give the community a chance to talk to their representatives see what's happening in Topeka, offer an opinion about what's going on, and it's a great way for for them to interchange ideas and share their thoughts. So hopefully it was very successful. Jeff Varner in the Tawanda, Kansas area. I'm the member of the Butler County Farm Bureau Board Association and uh, serve as their policy chair. Today's event is just a chance for the public to come in and visit with the legislative people uh, we at the uh, Beller County Farm Bureau have worked very hard over the years. We have several events and we'll have several more like this later in the uh, month and then in April for all the different representatives of Butler County. Uh, so uh, it's just an opportunity to get together, visit with the uh, legislative people. It's always amazing what you learn different than what's being reported through the media and even social media anymore. It's usually quite a bit of difference in what's actually being put out there. Well, I certainly would think that there's enough issues going on both at the state level as well as the federal level that people should be more interested in what's going on, provide their opinion to our state legislators so that those things can be worked on, so that your voice can be heard and that we they take that voice and perhaps do something about it up in Topeka or beyond. Uh, certainly we're not limiting ourselves to just state representatives. We hope to have our U.S. Senators and our U.S. Representatives in here as well. So it's voicing your concerns and letting them know what matters to us here in Mid-America. Well, welcome. Uh, I'm Phil Benedict uh, with the El Dorado Chamber. I'm here partnering uh, with the uh, Farm County Farm, the Butler County Farm Bureau uh, to put this on. Uh, glad you're here. Glad these gentlemen are here to, to talk to us this morning. Uh, I'm going to let uh, Tia Tan of Butler County Farm Bureau introduce them. <laughs> Tia? Thanks, Bill. It's always a pleasure to partner with our local chambers. And I'm going to tell you, you are really lucky this morning because Phil made the coffee instead of me. So it is safe to drink, so drink up. So, Not sure about that. Um, <laughs> On behalf of Butler County Farm Bureau Association, thank you for joining in the tradition that we have of our legislative coffees across Butler County. I do want to introduce the gentleman that we have seated here this morning. I also want to introduce Jeff Varner, who is the um, policy chair for Butler County Farm Bureau Association. He chairs um, that position for our board of directors. And with us today, we have uh, Doug Lex, who is from District 12. 
Doug is actually not in this particular area, but because we're not sure that the Latham Saloon is open at this time of day, we have him come up and visit with us up here because um, we enjoy Doug and his, he has such a large, large district that he was up driving before the uh, sun was up this morning to join us. And we hope that we get to keep Doug, but with redistricting, we're not sure if he will be in Butler County next year or not. So we really hope we get to keep him as part of the great team that we have representing us in Butler County. In the middle, you all know our Senator, Mike Pagg, who is District 14 for our Senate seat. We're so glad to have a local guy up there um, speaking on our behalf. And so we will hear from, from our Senator and we all know our representative from District 75. Um, what was your name again, sir? Uh, I don't know if I'm George. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> and you said that was your high school graduation picture that they yeah, have there? It was. It's a carpenter. So we are so glad that we have these gentlemen. They'll be filling you in on what's going in on in currently in Topeka. And then we will open it up for questions. And we just appreciate your time with us this morning. If you would like to be a groupie and join us across the county, our next one will be March 26th when we are in Augusta at the same time as this nine o'clock at the Augusta Train Depot with Representative Christy Williams and Senator Ty Masterson. Thank you again. My name is Doug Blix. I'm a state representative for House District 12, uh, which represents five counties, a uh, little bit of Montgomery, all of Chautauqua, about two thirds of Cali, uh, southeast corner of Butler, as well as a little bit of Elk. And I currently am serving on the uh, Health and Human Services. I'm vice chair of the local government committee and house taxation committees. This will be my sixth year as a, as a legislature. I always enjoy the Farm Bureau forums because I feel like I get some really straight shooting of what the real issues are and it's not slanted. and. It's always a joy to, to get interaction with the folks. And of course, with COVID, we were shut down. We didn't have anybody come up for that whole year. And it was difficult. And an email is nice. A phone call is nice. But when you can read the body language with people, uh, to me, that's I'm kind of old school in that area. So I like that process. I might talk a little bit about redistricting. Uh, that's going to be a tough issue this year, uh, that being an election year and changing a lot of legislators district, uh, obviously a lot of us have to gain people and sometimes out in the rural community and the grasslands, it's hard to get people. So that'll be some changes. Uh, uh, we are considering some real important bills uh, this year. Uh, looks like there'll be some form of, of sales tax reduction on uh, foods, which I uh, support, whether it's at all six and a half percent at one time or uh, a stage deal is a good thing. So what we're trying to do is when we have this bag of money, and I think it's important to pay down our debt as well as uh, give that, if there's any additional money, give that back to the taxpayers. Well, thank you and I appreciate Farm Bureau having me. It's always a pleasure to come back and get the word from real folks and know what's going on. And uh, I thank you for having me. Uh, uh, like Tina said, I'm not sure if I'll be back Several of us are not sure if we back. We're in the middle of redistricting. Uh, we've done a, the public meetings for about a year and a half, and now we're getting down to the individual senator and house maps. And of course, uh, 
The simple math is the two will go to Johnson County. I mean, we can't avoid that. So uh, that's going to happen. Uh, where the problem exists is, and some districts are already drawn and they've sat down with the representatives and, and they've uh, looked at them. I've looked at they got the neatest program that is just phenomenal. You big, almost TV size screen and you go in and they'll move a line over to a county road or a street and boom, it'll auto sum exactly how many people's in there. I mean, if they can get it down. Now, you, you've heard in the news about the federal maps and they want a zero deviation and that's court history. And it, you can achieve it easily with that. I mean, they can bump those maps. And of course, ideally, we'd all like to have counties. Uh, you know, I've, for six years, I've, I'm a, I've drove about 120 miles. Cause I don't have a town big enough in my district because I'm seven miles east of Winfield, Ark City, and uh, south here of El Dorado. And, and then if we have any, I don't have a town big enough to have meetings, so I got to drive another seven, eight miles out of district. <laughs> To have a town big enough to have a meeting in it. So, uh, and hopefully some of my constituents will be there. But uh, I've sat down and looked at maps I've been in. And uh, if you've got an, like my district has lost 3,120 people, House District 12. Uh, the adjoining representative, which I got about a third of Independence, which is my only major town that I actually get into, uh, I guess other than Latham, 138 people in Latham. Uh, but basically, uh, he lost about 2,600. So when you get two or three legislators that are tight, I can't go south and box in with Oklahoma. You go to the eastern and they're boxed in Missouri and Oklahoma. So it's basically got to come north. And uh, that's just going to be the facts and, and how it ends up. And they, I will give leadership credit. They have basically said we want to keep all of our rural representatives we can because we know we're going to be sending two more to Johnson, which will make them 28. They have 26 now. So, and then the second thing is they don't want to put legislators against each other, and which one map I looked at would have done that. And of course, you got to realize everything has kind of been slow walking because of redistricting, uh, it stalled things out because by the time we want the maps done, leadership wants the final maps done by the end of March before we go on the break, three week break. Uh, and that way we'd have, if the governor does veto them, we'd have time to come back and, and re-present uh, those to some degree. Uh, but filing deadline is June 1 at noon. So what they don't want to do is put an existing legislature into brand new territory at the 11th hour that nobody has heard of him, he or she. So uh, it is really complex. So they're being very cautious. Here we've got a bag of money, $3 billion, more than I've ever seen in the, in the six years I've been up there. And we got some really good bills that would either give money back uh, or pass some on and get some, do some really good things, some good program, and boom, everybody's walking on eggshells. I mean, just put it mildly. And of course, then you've got the rate, and it's election year on top of all that. So <laughs> that's a problem. Uh, I serve on the tax. Uh, we, the House has not looked at one tax bill on the floor yet. I guess Senate did Thursday. Uh, so we have heard a lot in committee uh, from the grocery to sales tax on food. We've heard every version of that from complete annihilation of the 6.5 down to a ratcheted 
the first year going down to three and a half percent. And if the stabilization fund has at least a hundred million dollars, it'll trigger the next year drop uh, to a one percent per year. I mean, it's just. I want to give stuff back to the taxpayers. My philosophy when I went up there, and certainly this year, has been uh, we got a bag of money. It'll never happen again, I don't think. Uh, let's pay down our debt. Let's get capers in good shape. I mean, we have, we have a contractual obligation, and I would actually even support that billion-dollar payment because in 2033, it's scheduled to be paid off. So that's going to leave about $115 million currently per year available. Plus, we're going to shore that up. We're getting a lot of complaints uh, from people that's retired that have never got a COLA. And of course, caper system was never designed for a COLA like Social Security, never. So if we give one, we can't really pull it out of capers. We got it, we need to pull it out of state general fund and just say, hey, we're gonna give across the board a 13th check or whatever uh, to do that. But, you know, obviously we all know what the price of bread and milk's doing, you know. And even if we eliminate grocery sales, six and a half, inflation's running seven and a half percent already. And as I come up, I was just gauging from 349 to 369 to 379 on gas, you know, it's just a matter. I tell my wife, if it gets down to half tank, fill top it off, because tomorrow it's going to be more. And uh, so, you know, uh, uh, you know, that's been my philosophy, and, and yet we've, we've done a couple things uh, I think that'll be good. I've also been very, very supportive, been pushing uh, for the state of Kansas to buy our water storage rights. And in 2028, 2029, and 2030, we're going to have to come up with $110 million balloon payment to the Corps of Engineers. Plus the fact if we buy, if the state of Kansas buys the water storage, uh, then if they need uh, water released out of Kansas reservoirs to facilitate barge traffic on the Missouri River, we could say no. Right now we can't out of several of them reservoirs. So because the federal government, the Corps of Engineers owns that. So I think that's wise. That's just to me, that's just like paying off the farm. I mean, we need to do it. That's what we need to do. Uh, I've been kind of philosophically against expanding a perpetual program. Because what I learned up there in my limited experience, once you give it to people, we can never get it back. They'll squeal like a pig under a gate, and it just won't happen. I mean, you just, they just can't cut. I mean, that's just the way things work. But uh, uh, I've testified on the water. The water has worked on a 283-page uh, bill, and that's a kiss of death. It was really convoluted. Uh, ironically, I was chair of the Montgomery County Conservation Commission for nine years, so I've had experience in working with the Division of Conservation and uh, retired wildlife biologist, worked with the Corps, worked with water, DWR, the whole nine yards, and then actually served as a private contractor for KDHE on rafts on the Neosho River System, developing riparian buffers and deal with poultry that are on basically water quality. And when they tried to put in all three of those agencies together, I knew it was a kiss of death, and particularly KDHE. It is, any agency that regulates toothpaste on the counter for babysitters all the way to water and environment, you're in trouble. People just do not like, the people out here don't like regulatory agencies. Uh, that's just a fact of life. I mean, and you got to soften that blow. So basically, uh, fellow Farm Bureau guy, we talked over at uh, Moline, he introduced an amendment, Joe Newman, a lot of you know him, 
that would actually go back to the Blue Ribbon Task Force that we've done seven years ago where we sat down Farm Bureau, the whole nine yards with people and got somewhat agreement. We've got the Western irrigators that the Eastern people look at and say, well, they're the biggest users of water. They should pay more. And then you look at the Eastern side that looks as industrial municipal, they're the biggest users of water, they should pay more. Well, Western irrigators pay more already because irrigated farmland is appraised at a higher level than non-irrigated. So we got to balance that and I think they're gonna work it out right now if that amendment goes through, which I'll be surprised they work on the floor, but at least I think they'll get out of committee. It will involve about $50 million, which will be about one, one half of 1% sales tax out of the existing sales tax that will be dedicated to water. And in my opinion, and we got a lot of, I got a lot of emails from Farm Bureau that said, I don't want this, but I, I would, didn't want it either. That's the way it was originally. But I think this new bill, and then we'll work out who we put where, but water needs to have its separate cabinet level secretary. I don't care who, gov who the governor is, until that agency gets cabinet level, you're not gonna have the governor's ear. And then they need a dedicated funding uh, for, I was on the original water environment two years or four years ago. And basically uh, uh, there's been 8 million swept out of that for last 12 years. EIF um, is supposed to have been, they never funded it. But they call it sweeping up there. I used to call it stealing, you know. And so that's, that's a high priority issue for me. I think water's economic lifeblood. We're dealing with sedimentation in our eastern Kansas. Now, I, I propose let's go to the core, wrote a letter to leadership and the, and the water chair. Let's go to the core, bring in our federal delegation and sit down with the core and say, hey, we're going to make this payment this year or next year rather than 2030. What kind of a deal are you going to give us? Banker, you ought to realize you get good deals. You pay the loan off early, don't you? Except in the federal government. Yeah, except in the federal government. <laughs> and rightfully so. Rightfully so. Because uh, Senator Fagg and I talked about that. And, and certainly the Corps of Engineers is good at saddling maintenance costs, excessive maintenance costs, back to us. So we want to make sure it's a deal, not necessarily uh, cost us more money. So that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, you know, it's enjoyable. I appreciate you. Uh, listening to me and, and having me up here. It's uh, my Farm Bureau groups. I have five counties, so I get fed five times really good, <laughs> as you can tell. And uh, it's always a pleasure. I, I feel like I can, when you guys, I trust your judgment. 90% of the time I'll vote with you. Once in a while I'll be rogue, but basically I, I trust the judgment because you know you guys do a really good job as, as a group and certainly chamber. Um, you know, strong business supporter. Uh, Will Carpenter, I'm the 75th district rep. I enjoy hearing from the folks back home. I, I threw my eyes and ears out there in the in the public, and I expect uh, them to let me know what's going on on a local level. So, no, I just think it's just great. Uh, I, I enjoy them, and I, I like hearing different opinions and, and different folks, and I just enjoy enjoy the process. So. Very good. Well, I think what Doug said was he kind of highlights how the process works. About everything he talked about, I don't have a clue about other than what I've heard because I don't sit on those committees. 
and my committees are more in the appropriations, social services budget, which I chair, and then I also sit on uh, commerce, labor, and economic development. So that's kind of the cool thing about this process is if I have any questions about those processes, I go to committee members that I know sets on Fed and State or some of these other deals to, to flesh it out, education committee or something like that to get the real story. Because a lot of times uh, I read the newspaper and I think, that is not what happened at all. You know, because it wouldn't make a good story probably if it was really reported like it happened. But anyway, so I'm gonna concentrate on, on that angle there. Uh, appropriations, got touched on it. We've got arguably, you know, within a billion dollars, two billion dollars extra, you know, this year. And what I'll tell you is, uh, I liked it a little bit better when we didn't have any money because now everybody's fighting on how to spend it. <laughs> and everybody's got their little deal that they want to spend it on and this and that and everything. And so anyway, um, but I'll just touch on a little bit of um, social services budget and some of the issues that we're dealing with in that. And this deals with our ID and DD providers, our nursing homes and stuff like that. Um, with all this federal influx of money, $4 trillion and all that kind of stuff, uh, I'm not sure it was by design, but for years folks have wanted a $15 minimum wage. Well, whether you like it or not, it's here. You have to have 15 bucks an hour. You Out here at McDonald's, you can get 15 bucks an hour. Well, unfortunately, our DSP direct support staff and those folks we're in the $10 range. Well, we've got providers that can't even get help. You know, they're 50% down on help. It's just, you wouldn't believe it. So anyway, with that, we'll be putting a chunk of money in to bring those wages up so we can hire people to take care of our folks in our nursing homes and stuff like that. And um, I'm just a messenger on that, but I've, uh, it's true, we're gonna to have to add some significant money to our budgets in these areas to bring our provider uh, DSP uh, folks up. And uh, that's one of our big fights. But we put a lot of money, we put a billion and a half dollars in schools over the last five years. And we've neglected some of our uh, most vulnerable people. And uh, it's time to get them up to speed so they can actually people. We've had, uh, We've lost almost 500 beds in nursing over the last year. We lost, last year we lost uh, 15 nursing homes and this year in January we lost four more. So it's a, it's a critical area out there that, uh, and I tell people if you don't want to fund them, then you better figure out where you're going to put these people because that's how bad it is. And that, and the other thing is a lot of the nursing homes because of staffing are not taking more anybody. I mean, you, if you want to go to the nursing home today, and then, of course, add on top of that, and it gets very complicated, but Medicaid is becoming more and more, this, the more people are being, you know, not private pay, but they're being under Medicaid, and that costs us about $40,000 a year. So one of the things that I've tried to concentrate on is assisted living and things like that, where uh, the PACE program, which uh, actually is a program that you sign up for and that you keep... Um, Folks in their home, you know, they come and pick you up, take you to the doctor, all those things like that. And assisted living, it keeps them out of the nursing home. It's, it's probably, uh, we pay about 90 bucks a day for assisted living, and it's $204 a day right now at, for Medicaid in the nursing home. So 
I've tried to steer money towards those things that actually save money in our in our society. And then back to appropriations. Well, um, let's get out of appropriations. You probably heard enough of that, but let's go back to commerce, labor, and economic development. We uh, did the apex bill. You've heard about it. Um, I voted for it. It was probably one of the a lot of votes. I know where I'm at way before that, but I could have pushed my buttons either way on that. It passed. Um, I do think, you know, we is a four billion dollar investment. We gave them a billion bucks basically, and we crafted that over ten years so they don't get the money back for ten years. But what I finally came to the conclusion is that we need that tool in our toolbox for if it's not this company, which I think that this company is gonna play us against Oklahoma, and, and we played our cards too soon, and we told them everything we'll do, and all they've gotta do is go down to Oklahoma and say, here's what Kansas did, can you beat it? And I believe that we won't get it, just because of that very reason. But we do need the tool in our toolbox. We passed all these laws to allow this tax credits and all this kind of stuff to go on, and so now we won't have a month-long fight which it was all all hands on deck. Every committee, Mike knows every one of his committees that deals with that. Uh, again, the Senate side, the dark side. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> but anyway, um, it was all hands on deck for a month of just trying to get these things and very complicated tax figures and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately, even if this deal doesn't happen, um, there should be another deal, there will be another deal along that we won't have to just reinvent the wheel and start from scratch. We'll be able to say to that company, here's what we can do in, in the form of tax credits and stuff like that. So with that, uh, I've had about all of my talking that I can deal with and I just didn't hear what you guys have to say. Oh, one thing I do want to touch on, everybody got their property tax notices yesterday? <laughs> okay, well. Me too. <laughs> so uh, we did pass a bill last year called Truth and Transparency. And what it basically says is, and within that deal, uh, your taxes should not go up more than the CPI. Because if you just take the term $50 million to run the county, 50 to 50 million. Well, if the valuation goes up, the middle levy stays the same, you generate way more money. So they need to lower that mill levy down so that it, it generates the same amount of money within 3% or whatever the CPI is. I think last year it was like two something, but this year, you know, who knows with this inflation. But anyway, that's what it says. So technically, your evaluation should not lead to a tax increase. And if they do raise it over that CPI amount, they have to have a hearing, a budget hearing at the courthouse or wherever and tell you why they're going to raise that. So anyway, with that, uh, I'll stand for questions. Oh, hey, Will, real quick on that. You said they. Is they all the county commissioners? You're right. talking about they. Anybody, that, any entity who raises. School. So who, who all is they, for that clarification? Well, the county any taxing entity in the counties that, that deals with property tax. Schools, schools JUCO. Townships, yes. cemeteries, fire districts. Uh, all of that. Okay, thank you. So, sure, thank, thanks for the question. Because sometimes I talk. Because it's not you, it's they. Mm -hmm. 
We don't have, you know, we have a very small presence in, in the property tax deal, and we pass that on to school. It's the yeah. 20 mil deal that we just collect for, the state collects it, but we just turn that so around. So it's mainly local? It, yeah, it's okay. mainly local cities and okay. folks that rely on property tax. So with that, I'll turn it over to the Senator. My name is Michael Fagg. I am state senator for District 14, represents 10 counties. Uh, I live in Eldorado, Kansas, and I'm here today at the Civic Center where they had a coffee for the legislators that we spent two hours and the group was here. I think we had a lot of great questions, a lot of positive stuff going on in the room. Only thing I wish is we had more people here because we need to get everyone involved. Everyone's uh, thoughts and ideas need to be heard. So uh, we talked over a lot of issues and kind of give you an idea in Topeka, uh, I stay up there and uh, during the week and usually come home on the weekends if I get a chance. And uh, the committees I'm on is agriculture slash natural resources. I'm on financial institutions slash insurance. I'm vice chair of that. I'm on ways and means and I'm on utilities. Uh, I'm also on a joint committee for education and was on joint committee for mental health during the off season. Currently I'm on the spark subcommittee for modern and efficiency. So last week I spent time going over like 140 applications and uh, we're working through the budget. So I'm keeping very busy now, but Eldorado has always been my home, Butler County. And uh, I am absolutely honored to be up here representing this area. Uh, for any of you that don't know me, I've, I've lived my whole life in Eldorado and I can't tell you how much of an honor it is to be doing the job I'm doing right now. And I've never worked harder in my life. And I kind of miss being gone from home as much as I am. But uh, usually I try to get home on the weekends and it's a three month deal and then you spend it. But you meet a lot of good people and it is just an awesome deal that because uh, I get around and meet all the reps and all the uh, senators, we got a lot of good people in Kansas. We can be proud we live in Kansas. That's what I would tell you is the process. And this, this government process, when I was in high school, I should have listened to Mr. Gardner a little closer on this area. So I didn't realize I'd be doing this. So, it, uh, so I learned something new every day. So this is the start of my second year. And before I get into what I do, I wanted to say Representative Carpenter and Representative Lex with elections coming up, I feel like they're family to me because I'm around them more than I am a wife anymore for three months. I know what kind of work they do and you guys can be proud of the work they do. Uh, we, we cross, you know, hearing him talk about the water, and I'll talk about that here in a minute, made me smile because that's, I had no idea they was talking about that. I've been working hard on that on the Senate side, so it kind of mirrors what he's talking about. And you did that for the city of Colorado. Yeah, so, so I've learned some new Thank stuff that I see to kind of layer on that and that's what David's about, so. Uh, but elections are coming up. You couldn't ask for better people. Totally, in my opinion, I've come from a, a viewpoint of watching them on a daily basis, and I'm saying you can be very proud of what they do and rep represent your area. Um, the big things up here, here's the work we've been doing. This, this is the bills floating around where they're at right now. So when you come up and say, well, Mike, we're Senate Bill 381. Well, here's the book, you know, and you can show when it entered the committee, you know, exactly what's happening and where it's at. 
and I don't get too fired up about it. And banking used to redefine credit on the back. You can't do this in this job, folks. There's too much. So what you kind of go through is that you work hard on your committees. And then at that point, as these things come and they get to the floor, that's when you get interested in them, you know, and then try to get information on them, get them going. And I never realized how important chairmanships and leadership is on each side. Because you can call me up and say, boy, Mike, I, we need to do this. The chairman decides if, number one, if that bill is going to be even discussed in committee. And then they're the ones that, if it goes from there to leadership, leadership decides whether it goes to the floor or not. So, and there's no way that you can go through that. So those are powerful jobs. So Will's got a big job as a chairman on what he does there on the side man. Because you can get a whole list of things like Sean Matt does that you've got going and how much time you got to work in and you kind of have to set priorities and say which one are we going to get hung up on which one's very important there's a judgment call that goes on with that so and i'm kind of excited i uh when i got up there uh i made a list of about eight committees there's 15 committees on the senate side 14 or 15 and i made a list of eight and i thought you know the top four I would really like, but if I won't get them because I'm the new guy, so I'll take six, seven, or eight, you know, just so that when I'm asked, this is what I do. Well, when those things come out, I got the four I wanted. I said, oh my gosh, Mike, how are you going to handle this? So I've got ag slash natural resources. Uh, I'm vice chairman of financial institutions and insurance. So that's 830, and then you go to 930, just like <coughs> high school. And then ways and means is 1030 that goes to like this. <coughs> And yesterday, most of them was off. Ways and Means was having a meeting, so that it just seemed like there's a whole lot more that goes on in that area. And then at 1.30, I go to utilities, and we know last winter what happened with the cold snap, and you see a room full of people that you had cities that was gonna go bankrupt if we didn't own $100 million. I mean, that's a, that's a whole different animal to you there on that. And Debbie was up there when that happened too, so you can ask her about that sometime. She came up to visit, she didn't say anything about what I was doing up there after that deal, so she understood <laughs> how tough that was. But, uh, so that's kind of how that works. And then I've been, right now I'm on the Spark Subcommittee in the Efficiency and Modernization. So we looked at 140 applications. <clears throat> we didn't have any votes on the floor, so I was down in my office watching that on Zoom. There's about $700 million that you're trying to decide in that area. and. Uh, so I've had trouble here lately of having two things going at once and which one do you go to and how do you handle that kind of thing. So you just learn a lot. It's exciting to be around and be able to uh, have a little input to that. To find a little, and I, and I always keep my district in my mind because I got 10 counties, everything east of here. There's a lot of these little cities that's really got some tough things going on and anything I can help in their toolbox, like Will said, uh, I've had days where things have come up in ways and means that I literally got on the phone within two hours and called somebody, you know, the city manager or somebody saying, hey, this is coming out. You guys need to be working on this. Because what happens, I think, is in Wichita and Kansas City, they got whole departments. They got people walking around the Capitol up there, picking that up, taking it back and having a whole department working on how we're going to do this. We got our little communities out here that's just trying to take care of the basics on everything else. So kind of important to get the word out and try to help them as much as you can, you know, to at least
be knowledgeable of what's going on. Uh, so as this bill goes through and you say, Mike, you know, follow this, <clears throat> you go through uh, this vice chairmanship is kind of important. I didn't realize it. Learn, learn something new every day. Vice chairmen get to go to conference. So what happens is when we like, we work on the, the water thing, goes through the house, goes through the Senate, we disagree in some areas. So they have a conference. This conference has the chairman, the vice chairman, and the minority leader from the house and the Senate. And you're representing the whole thing. So that's awesome what Will gets to go through uh, in his part and, and me as vice chair of going to those conferences and representing the state of Kansas and the Senate side of what those differences are. So that's kind of uh, what happens in that area. To talk on water a little bit, I was smiling here with Representative Lex. Um, I think it was Thursday, you lose track of days. <laughs> but I think it was Thursday, I spent a half a day with the guy from the uh, water talking about the correlates. We either got 14 or 15 in the state. Eldorado is not part of it, Eldorado has its own. And of those 14 or 15, we owe debt on five of them. And so going through the debt part, because right now on this uh, extra money we have, I, I think that's almost worse than out looking for money because you'll make some bad decisions with extra money, in, in my opinion. So you gotta be very careful of that. So paying down debt right now, and uh, also looking at one-time expenses. So uh, I've seen like the school of desk, school of wine, I've heard of them, never seen them. And boy, they had some big numbers on the budget. And I thought, man, per head, that's a lot of money. So I took an afternoon and went to Kansas City to look at both of them. I come back feeling different about that. You know, after I met the people that worked there, looked at the facilities, who they're working with. But I want to spend money on like, uh, they need new heating and air systems. You know, if you catch those kind of things, it's going to help utility costs. It's going to help our budgets down the road. Because when I sit here, I don't know how you folks feel about this, but this $2 billion, where'd it come from? You know, two or three years ago, we was out of money. All of a sudden, now we got plenty of money. So where did it come from? You know, I think it's because of what's been done in federal, on the federal side. So they sent all this money down here. They give us each $1,400 check. You go out and spend it, pay sales tax on it. You know, just things like that that builds it up. So in my opinion, we're on a boat. So I think God has given us an opportunity here to get our house in order for the future budgets. It might not be when we're around, but it's gonna have us to where we can be more responsible for what happens in the future. So I think that's what I know on our side that we're trying to do. But, so our first um, tax bill come to the floor this week, what Doug was on. <clears throat> all of a sudden, all the amendments could start coming in. You know, they, they said, just watch this, Mike, and then here they come. Everybody wanting half million here, we'll give it back. This is election year too, so throw that into it. Two hundred fifty dollars taking down the sales tax, and and I want to do all that. Don't don't get me wrong, but I want to do it in a manageable way when we're on kind of normal cycles. Not on this because if we do, we'll be in a heck of a mess one of these days. Saying, oh gosh, we're way short. What are we going to do here? So. As, as you go through that process, I just think that um, it's important for us right now to be careful with that. Oh, I know what I was going to tell you. So we're on the House, you got all these amendments coming in, 
and I felt like somebody walking in the room and throwing hundred dollar bills in the air and everybody running after them. You know, it was crazy. So to see how this process goes down, you know, they'll have their ideas. We have our ideas. I am hoping and praying that when they go to conference, some of us to get out of there uh, and, and kind of get back to some normalcy of what happens with that. So it, uh, I think we've done, I know on my side on the committee, uh, education's getting funded. You know, Gannon Law, that's no question. It comes back to accountability. That's the question because when you see what kids are doing in school, we get a whole lot of money, which is half the budget. You know, you need to have some accountability goes on. Now, that accountability and how you do, that's the million dollar question. So you hear all kind of crazy bills out there that's going on. I don't know at what level it's going to get. So I, I'm not going to worry about that because I got these other committees. But I will worry about it once it gets to a level that gets to the floor kind of thing and, and be looking at them carefully. But, you know, trying to put uh, things on the internet or what you're, uh, you're doing in school. I know what time Debbie goes to work. I know what time she gets home. I know how she grades papers. Putting another layer on that is tough. So, and we don't want to run the good teachers off in this process. So, but yeah, we got to have some accountability to have some results. Now, that, that's that's for somebody that needs to be deciding that kind of thing. So, I got to speak with the governor one day for about forty-five minutes. She said, "Mike, what do you think about education?" I thought, "Okay, Mike, here we go." But I said, "All of us think the kids are number one." No question about it. Teachers are number two because they're with those kids every day and what goes on. Once we hit the door, everything outside that door is debatable. And she never said a word about that. So I, I think, you know, it's kind of interesting that uh, I think we're all trying to do the right thing in that area. You know, so as this accountability comes along, you guys have any good suggestions? I know a lot of people would sure like to hear them. So. Uh, you go through COVID with what's happened with that, where the kids are at, do we hold them back a year? I mean, I that'd be tough being in education right now at all levels, higher education levels, just the whole process. So I feel good about uh, where we're at as far as taking care of the community colleges. Uh, feel good about private colleges. Uh, the Region 6 schools get plenty of money. So I, I think we're trying to do the right thing up there. And... Uh, I know since I've been up there on the Senate side, the first year they had it locked down where nobody could get in there unless you had business. And so I worked real hard on relationships. And so I think I've got to know every one of those 40 senators very well to feel like that if I really have something, you don't want to run their office every day when the chairman saying, hey, I need this, I need that. You work on those relationships so that when something comes up, they'll listen to you. And they're always looking for solutions and I had the tax chairman in yesterday. I'm working on something in Wilson County, and she come down to my office to tell me about where it was at and what her options were, which I appreciate. I mean, that's that's where they care enough and they know what's going on out there. And uh, so as, as we go forward, just remember it's election year. Uh, we all want to, you know, reduce some tax. But uh, the question is, where were we three years ago, in my opinion, before COVID when we had problems? And let's make sure that we're right when we come out of this bubble. That's, that's where I'm coming from. I'm not a writer. Okay. So that's it for me here on Everyday El Dorado. But keep an eye out and an ear open for your source of information 
on the fine art of living well every day in El Dorado. Have a great day. No, I'm not a writer. Okay. Oh, Elder Radio? Oh my goodness. Isn't that clever? Are we going to have a radio station? Yeah, we already have. Give up on my way.